Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining us today to listen in on our Hilco Global Smarter Perspective podcasts. I'm your host, Steve Katz. And if this is your first time with us, well, then welcome. We're glad you could tune in. Today, we are going to be talking about the rising incidence of subprime loan delinquencies, particularly as they pertain to auto and other transportation portfolios. And we'll be exploring effective remedies for dealing with those situations with our first-time guest, Buddy Beeman, who is Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Hilco Receivables. So, Buddy, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for uh, asking. I'm glad to be here, Steve. Yeah, well, we're glad glad to have you on and uh, some interesting stuff to talk about. I mean, obviously, you know, we're going through a pretty unusual time right now economically in the U.S. Uh, you know, not only do we have higher interest rates and inflation continuing to take a toll on consumers and businesses, but, you know, we residual effects of COVID and uh, some of the impacts of uh, the war in Ukraine that we're even feeling here. So, can you kick us off today by talking about what's been happening with subprime auto bonds and how that's tied to the delinquency rates that we're now reading and hearing so much about? Oh, sure, Steve. You know, this really, like you said, it started kind of back in the uh, in the COVID days with with delinquency. They were a little bit camouflaged during that period where you know the the lenders were were having subsidized you know, payments for the, for people and whatnot. So delinquencies really were occurring, but they were not showing on the books. And what we've seen is over, over time, really the supply chain issues that we had, it's all coming to a head and you've got the economy and the growing, growing delinquencies now. And, you know, we, we've, we've had some big used car companies and leasing companies that uh, we either, have been involved in that have been falling apart and, you know, really over the course of probably the last six to 12 months, we've seen an increase in, in, uh, in those kind of companies falling apart. And, and really we're starting to see kind of a huge boom in that, at that side of the world. A lot of it started back, you know, 20, 20, 21 in that, in that time frame. but it's been growing and, and, you know, we, uh, Recently, in the past six weeks, like I said, we're starting to see more and more things from companies like J.P. Morgan, BMO, Cap One, where these these loans that they put into these subprime auto lenders, they're not backed by good assets anymore because of the problems that these these auto lenders are having. So, you know, obviously on the bank side of the world, their growing concerns are, are we're, we're on their radar a lot more with restructuring companies and the banks at this yeah. point. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think, you know, as you said, a lot of people didn't necessarily see it coming, but when you think about it, it's not surprising given everything that's taken place. So let me ask you this. When, when a lender does fail in a situation like this, um, there's clearly a need to react quickly and limit downside risk. Are there are there warning signs, you know, that indicate that something's developing, uh, or is it all very stealth, you know, for a while for the lender? And then, you know, if so or if not on that, how do uh, how do banks and stakeholders get out ahead of these situations so that they're not really uh, finding themselves uh, in a position where they can't recover? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, a, a big part of the problem is when a lender fails, 
there there's a lack of process that continues for the for the borrowers and whatnot. And we've seen companies where they get to a point where by the time it starts failing, they just throw the keys at the back to the lenders and say, have at it. And and what we see is that they become a little bit adverse with each other, right? And the communications between the company and the lenders really breaks down. And then from that point, there's a lot of confusion. You know, these companies aren't made to work in a distressed asset situation. So like the the used car company or the leasing company or or whomever, they their customer service, their accounts receivable, their staff, they all they try to shrink their expenses and all they're do is is hurting the the asset receivable that's there for this for the the bank to collect out on. And what happens is all that pushes back to the borrowers. And those are the people that are really at risk, right? And the company itself continues to fail, continues to cut expenses. That doesn't help. And they don't really know what they're doing in this distressed situation. All this causes disruptions and processes and, you know, really the 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 communication between the customer and the company really starts to fail. And uh, what happens at the end of that is there's really a lack of direction or understanding of where these customers need to go and how they make their payments and everything else. And it, it, it really hurts the, these monthly payments or, or lease installments. Yeah. 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 You can see how that cycle would kind of just, repeat and amplify the problem. So if I, I just want to make sure I got it. So if I'm a borrower, right, you're saying I, I might not actually even receive my normal bill in the mail um, or a reminder saying that my payment. Is yeah, late. absolutely. Absolutely. Because what happens is, like I said, when the cut, when they, when they start to reduce staff, things go wrong, right? Like you, you people forget things, you don't transfer to another a person when the company all they're looking at is we're starting to fail and we cut expenses and they're not they don't specialize in distressed you know portfolios they 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 know what they're doing when things are running well but then when they make these adjustments that's when we really have some problems sure sure and then and the bondholders themselves right in these portfolios are they even aware of what's going on at that stage or you know, does it take a while for them? Yeah, to it takes them? a while because you know the bondholders are behind the banks in a lot of cases, and and uh, the banks are the ones getting the communication. The bondholders are; it's not a big priority for them. It's not on their 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 radar as much, and they get a little bit. Uh, by the time they're brought in and they're notified, it it usually is a it's it's not at a good place for them. Yeah. So then, what's the advice on on what credit? creditors should be doing and, and the steps that they should be taking when they do become aware of this type of situation that's in progress. Right. So for, for the bondholders, you know, like I said, getting ahead of the, of the, of the curve a little bit and moving up the time frame, they can do things early on and, and bring people in to, uh, you know, identify. Cause a lot of times when these companies use, use car companies, especially, We've seen a lot of fraud and cover up uh, because it's easy and it's easy to do. And which, unfortunately, when something becomes easy to do, it means people get tempted to do it. Right. And, you know, having somebody come in and 
you know, understanding kind of a distressed asset and what to look at. You can you can bring people in that will look at this stuff early, like and use the base calculations and the the borrowing base and go into you know certain indicators that will allow us or allow people that do this to to uh, know what they're looking for and and run reports and not be disruptive to the process. You're kind of looking in the background, but it's really having somebody that can can continue to be aware and understand the situations and really know what what could be a potential problem. And then you identify it early and you can take steps to take care of it before you get to a point where they are, you know, are throwing you the keys to the company. So then your, you know, your team at Hilco Receivables, I know, often acts as a substitute uh, or other servicer in these types of situations. So when you come in, um, I'm assuming some of the things you just talked about is is some of what you guys will do. But from there, how do you do you do you really step into the lender's role in terms of taking over that billing process and making sure that you're following up with borrowers to uh, ensure the payments or what, you know, what, what happens then? Yeah. So first, the, the first phase is kind of running a parallel process and what we call it. And, and the situation is being a hot servicer. So we're running, we're running these checks and these reports and, and whatnot behind the scenes. We're not actually doing, we're not actually doing the billing or are working at the beginning. We're really running a parallel process to while we watch and make sure that those things are happening and and are not not happening. I should say, you know, we don't want we want we don't want them to stop. So that way we can be in there, and when things do go south, we can act very quickly and jump on it, and it we don't lose that, you know, we don't lose that timing that's so critical because when we what we see a lot is this is all about timing. If you get if you get too far down the process and you've lost communications, it's very hard to get it back. Or if, if payment streams are disrupted, it's very difficult to restore them all. <coughs> Excuse me. If you stay in front of it, then you can redirect and and maintain those and maintain the integrity of the portfolio. So, you know, you, you got to bring in experts that know this. And that's the problem with these companies is they do know the business, like I said, and they understand it. When it's going well, but when it goes south is when they have a, a trouble. Uh, you need somebody that's licensed and bonded to do this, like Hilco. Right, and then you got you know, in many cases, not everywhere, but many cases, I assume you, you have borrowers from all over the country. So you, that you you need those types of licenses too, right? It's not just a, necessarily a local license. You have to be licensed around the country. And yeah, absolutely. You know, because there's a lot of ins and outs. So you, you need to be a nationally licensed uh, and bonded agent to to do this servicing. Uh, because even if you're, for example, companies build in Texas and most of your work is done in Texas, you may have to repo vehicles in California, which is a whole new set of rules and, and whatnot. So even if you're a local used car or, or leasing company, you still might need a national presence based on the, the where where things may go and what they may have. Very interesting. All right. Well, so we're just about out of time. Anything else you wanted to add to the conversation that you you didn't uh, talk about that we should we should be including? Um, you know, I think you know one other thing that I, I 
think it's important to know is what we're seeing right now is we we work directly with a lot of lenders and restructuring firms and we're seeing a lot of activity in this in this space right now and i think for us the best thing for people to understand or to know is catching things early it's it's kind of like any trouble right whether it's somebody's health or whether it's the, the portfolio's health you the earlier you catch it the better your outcome is the later you catch it usually it's not a good result and we pretty consistently are seeing that across the board with the banks and uh, and these restructuring firms that we're working with yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense well listen it's uh really relevant information giving what's going on right now. And I'm sure a lot of listeners, uh, unfortunately, might be going through something similar to this. So uh, with that in mind, I'm guessing you'll probably get some calls. Uh, some people want to reach out to you. And how can they best get in touch? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to connect with anyone who has questions or concerns about these or any other types of portfolios right now. Uh, the best way to reach me is at bbeman, which is B-B-E-A- M-A-N at Hillco Global, or you can give me a call at 469-400-4842. You can also feel free to reach out. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, It's another good source to to reach me as well. Okay, great. B. Beeman at HillcoGlobal.com. Appreciate that. Uh, Great to have you on, buddy. And uh, we'll get you back on soon. And listeners, Uh, As always, we hope that this Smarter Perspective podcast provided you with at least one key takeaway that you can put to good use in your business or share with a colleague or client to help make them that much more successful moving forward as well. And remember that you can check out more great podcasts and articles featuring timely insights from Hilco experts like Buddy at hilcoglobal.com forward slash smarter dash perspectives. So until next time for Hilco Global, I'm Steve Katz.